Thank you, worship team. We're going to turn this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Brandon and I didn't coordinate, but the Holy Spirit has. Second Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're going to begin. Thank you, Jesus. Last Sunday morning, I preached. subdivision, that's not what they call it, but it's essentially what it is, of Lusaka, Zambia. And I preached in a church that had lost their building due to COVID where they were meeting in schools. And last Sunday morning, packed between the pastor's house and the neighbor's house, behind the security gate of a driveway, where all they could manage was to nail a tin roof across the driveway and pack as many people in there as possible on dirt floors and makeshift, as makeshift as it gets. That the presence of the Lord filled a little driveway under a tin roof and blessed the hearts of a pastor and the people and a land that just are just searching him out, just looking for him. I'm thankful today. It doesn't, it doesn't take much of that for you to be thankful for the, for the privilege and the honors we have to stand here this morning and proclaim the gospel. That's the grace of God. We're thankful for that church. I want to just give you, before I take a quick scripture, I just want to tell you something about this mission that's very different from the ones I go on before. And West Africa has a very thriving national church that is planting churches as quickly as you can build them because they're producing pastors as quickly as they can produce them. That's revival. But in Southern Africa, in Zambia, the church is fledgling, less than 30 years old uh, in most places. The Assemblies of God in Zambia has 141 churches in a country of 17 million. That's not many. And of those 141 churches, less than half of them right now have a building to worship in because of COVID restrictions and the price of land. And of the 141 churches, only 40 of them have trained, fully trained pastors. That means two-thirds of the church in Zambia does not have a fully trained pastor. How do you know it's hard to plant churches if you don't have ministers? Their goal is to build 50 churches a year for the next five years starting, but no pastors. In the meantime, a benefactor has bought them land for a Bible college, has built the security around the land where it's secure. And I'm just happy to come by and tell you just, I didn't take a lot, this was a vision trip showing what the country was going to do and what they needed help with and where, where we might be able to come back to the U.S. and help them. But I am happy to tell you what I did have with me, listen to me, that Mag Church invested in the literal foundations of the foundations 
for the Bible college in Zambia. They're going to build eight tabernacles, which are temporary structures on that, on that land to, to get it off the ground so they can begin training those pastors to open those churches. And Mag Church, Mag Church gave the money to build the foundations and bring the first tabernacles out of the ground in that country. And I believe that there will be reward, eternal reward for the foundations. Listen, if the foundations are strong, so we literally poured the physical foundations for the, for the spiritual foundations of the church in Zambia. And that makes the, all the travel as they say, that makes the juice worth the squeeze. So thank you. That's where we're at. You'll hear more about it later. But it's a privilege to be able to help in any way possible to propagate and build and spread the gospel around the world. No higher honor. And I thank you. And you're part of that. Everyone they gave. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. We're going to read about the first 10 verses, concentrating on verse 9. Paul is the writer, and he's got an interesting little revelation here at the beginning. He says, I knew a man, and he's talking about himself. So let's just lay that out there before we begin to speak. And he says, doubtless, it is not profitable for me to boast. So I will move on to the visions and revelations of the Lord. For I knew a man in Christ over 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body. I cannot tell. God knows. Such a one was caught up in the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body. I cannot tell. God knows was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words not permitted for a man to say. Of such a person I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast except in my weakness. Listen, except in my weakness. For if I desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I am speaking the truth. But now I resist, lest anyone should think of me above that which he sees me to be or hears from me. Verse 7 says, Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh a messenger from Satan to torment me, lest I be exalted beyond measure. Who's Paul talking about? Paul's talking about himself. He says, I asked the Lord three times that this thing might depart from me. But listen to verse 9. But he said to me, written in red in my Bible, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Listen to it again. Listen to the words of Christ to Paul. Listen to what Paul, when Paul was saying, take this thing away. How I many he's ever prayed and prayed, take this thing away from me? He's, he said, my grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. My strength, his strength, is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, oh, that therefore is important. 
in light of what Jesus just said. Therefore, most gladly, I will boast in my weakness. Now, listen, I'll talk to the men just a second. All the women, listen, it applies to you too. But I, I happen to be a man, so I can talk to the men. for just, How many of you have ever boasted in your weakness? Not a one. I've never met a man yet that would boast in his weakness. Paul said, but because of what Jesus revealed to me that my, his grace is sufficient, his strength is made perfect in my weakness, he says, therefore, I will boast in my weakness. Hmm. That the I will boast in my weakness, but there was a reason. That the power of Christ may be rest upon me. How many of you like the power of Christ to rest upon you? So I take pleasure. Oh, you read this book for what it says, it'll, it'll, it'll mess you up. I'll say it again. You read this book for what it says, it'll mess you up. It'll change the way you think. If it doesn't, something's wrong. He says, so I take pleasure in weakness, in reproaches, in hardships, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, he is strong. This morning I want to tell you in just the next few moments that his grace is enough. I want us to leave here today knowing that His grace is enough. Heavenly Father, I thank You today for Your Word. Lord, and I ask You, Lord, to give us ears to hear, hearts to receive what You would say by Your Spirit to Your people through Your Word. Lord, that You would anoint these lips of clay. Lord, that, that make my lips that as that of a pen of a ready writer. And Lord, that that your word goes forth in power today. Speak to our hearts, not to our minds. Change us from the inside out by the power of your spirit through your written word. And we will thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. His grace is enough. Thank you. His grace is enough. I'm going to start on some things here in a moment that I felt all morning that I felt like I needed to start a message with a little bit of a preface so you could listen. How many of you ever been listening to someone speak and what they said at the first got in your mind and that's all you could think about and wonder about and you couldn't concentrate on anything else because you were wondering where they were going by where they started? Have you ever done that? What you're wondering is what the pretext is. What, what they're driving at. So there's a few things I want to preface with this morning. First of all, first and foremost, when I begin to read and talk about a few things here in a minute, that I'm not here today in any way, shape, form, or fashion now or any time in the foreseeable future to resign or leave MAG. <laughs> so so, so we start, we're going to put that out there front so you can get out off your mind because I have a feeling when I begin to speak on some things that some of you are going to think he's wrapping up to a big finish and he's fixing to, he's fixing to check out and move to Africa or something. That's not happening. And I also want you to know that, that there's some things uh, and, uh, that 
I just want to share because sometimes the, the most effective way to reach people and to touch into their hearts and lives is to open yourself up and just lay yourself bare and just be as real as you know how to be and, and, and let people look into your life just a moment in areas that maybe at other times you wouldn't. And so that makes you a little vulnerable. You understand that? How, how are you going to have anybody believe that his weakness is, his, his strength is made perfect in your weakness if you're not ever willing to share your weakness? Yes? One of the things the church is most lacking today is as pastors and ministers that are just real and show that they show their humanity and show that, that 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 they have the same struggles and fight the same fights and in the same battles. In fact, usually times ten and and worse at times, and and that we have the same attacks, the same doubts, the same misgivings, the 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 same things that come against the pulpit, the the pew come against the pulpit. Yes. We get angry, we get upset, we get discouraged, we get down, we get, we get all the things you get. But we get to stand in front of you on Sunday morning and smile. You ever thought about that? Boy, I could continue. We have, the, we have the same Sunday mornings you have. I hear a few snickers. Some of you acting like I don't know it. You know, I always refer to Lionel Richie about here when he sung about it was easy like Sunday morning. That tells me Lionel wasn't raised in church. Because <laughs> anybody that's ever been to church in their life knows that there ain't nothing easy about Sunday mornings. That's the day that the cat's going to eat your sausage and puke in the floor. That's the day, <laughs> that, that's the day that the kids are, 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 are going to... Are, are, everything that could go wrong with the kids is going to go wrong. That's the day that when you, when, you got your, when you got your dress ironed, it had a big spot right in the middle of the front of it when you're walking out the door. And that's the day that any time that little sweet nothings can turn into big somethings. What are you looking at? Anybody ever had sweet nothings turn into big somethings on Sunday morning? It's amazing how we don't think we're in control of that until we get to the church. Oh, I was, that's got too real too quick. I'm talking. I'm talking about. Yeah. Then you walk in the door and say, "Praise the Lord! Good to see you." <laughs> Praise God! This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Just don't talk to me, okay? Yeah, I'm happy to report to you his, his, his strength is made perfect in my weakness. We, we live in a world where it's difficult and where everything's politically supercharged. How many of you have realized that? That, we, that? that the only way we can get along is you better have exactly the same opinion on exactly every subject and exactly the way I think about it exactly today or you and I can no longer even have a discussion that's where we're at and everybody's got the answer but nobody wants the answer I was reading what Paul said in his closing remarks in Acts chapter 20 
And, and I, I want to repeat it because I think it bears repeating as I move into some things now. He says in, verse, in chapter 20, verse 25 of Acts, that Paul's speaking, he says, Now I know that all of you among you proclaiming the kingdom of God will see my face no more. That's why I said I ain't leaving. I'm not telling you that you're going to see my face no more. It says, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. He says, for I did not keep anything from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. That's one of the, if I was to check out today or 10 years, 20 years, 50 years down the road, I want it to be said of me as a minister that I didn't spare anything of the whole counsel of God, that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. In other words, I didn't hold nothing back. I gave you everything you needed, whether you liked it, whether you didn't like it, that we declared to you the whole counsel of God because I want to be innocent of your blood. And the, to the prophet in Ezekiel, he says that if God gives a word to the prophet and, and he refuses to give it to the people, it says that the blood of the people are on the hand of the prophet. He says, but if I warn you and the people do not heed, then their blood is on their own hands. I have never been more tempted to walk away and quit than I have in the last 48 hours. Just telling you how it is. Why am I telling you that? Because I, not because I'm going to or I ever will, but I want you to know that we have the same walls, we hit the same places, we have the same discouragements, we want to shake people just like you do, and that we want to say, you know what, why do I even mess with it? Because people just don't care. You think, and you go to the Lord, you say, how am I going to make it whenever, whenever the people just don't care? Now, I'm not saying whether you do or you don't. I'm talking about what the enemy tells you. You understand that. You understand that it, just because the enemy tells it may be true in a case or two. How many of you know that he will come and magnify the biggest, ugliest thing that he can put right in front of you that has a little bit of truth, and he'll take this little bit of truth, and he'll shine his ugliness on it and blow it up this big, and before, all, before you know it, all you can see is that little element that seems to be dominating everything. I mean, he's never been there. And it causes you to want to just throw your hands up. Anybody ever wanted to just throw your hands up? To just wash your hands of it. To just be done. To go get, to go get a job and they're hiring everywhere, by the way. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Had a guy the other day come by for help. He said, I just can't find a job. I said, you're a liar. <laughs> and I got nothing for you. You say, well, I don't sound very preacher. I don't, I don't sound very kind. That's truth. And I'm going to say you, the truth, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It'll set him free right off this parking lot. <laughs> because anybody that wants to work right now, I guarantee you they can work. Where'd that come from? That's free. First time here today, I give out freebies all the time. We get hit with discouragement. You get 
you get the things magnified in our life just as well as yours. Well, I want you to know this because there's a brand of gospel that we're all familiar with that tells you that it's all sun drops and lollipops and, and, and it's all peppermint sprinkles and, 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 and mint chocolate chip ice cream. I prefer orange sherbet, but you know what I'm talking about. That everything's just going to be great. Well, you know what? It's not always great. There's things when you get saved. There, there's another brand that would have you believe that when you get saved that, that all is just going to be right where the world is just going to all fall in place like perfect little thousand piece puzzles that come together all of a sudden right before your very eyes and that you never have another struggle in your life. I came by to tell you that that's just a lie. There's things, see, the, the, we're, we're set free by the power of the truth and by the power of the Word of God, but there's things that are innate in this old fallen nature that follow us all of our life. Now, I didn't come to tell you like the, like the, uh, the world would have you believe that there's no overcoming because there is overcoming for everything. But the overcoming, a lot of times, what Paul was happening in Paul's life, he wanted just God to remove all of his trouble. And God does remove trouble. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, there's some things that's going to come in your life that's going to just come and stick around and hang out a while. And it doesn't mean that it, doesn't mean that he leaves it in your life for it def, to defeat you. He leaves it in your life to build you. That's right. Amen. See, could God have removed false thorn? God has all power. He can do anything he wants to. He said, I asked him three times. It wasn't just one. He said, he said, would you please remove this thing from me? And, you know, it doesn't directly say it, but if you read it, there is an implied no. Do you realize that? He says, I asked three times. And Jesus came in and said, he said, he said listen, my grace is sufficient for you. What did that mean? It meant I'm not taking it. You, are you hearing that? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, this is the one thing I'm not going to, why? And he told you the why. Did you hear what we read up to? He said, he said, I've been given such powerful revelation. Remember Paul's conversion, this, this Pharisee that was persecuting the church that was going anywhere and everywhere. He had, he had just been consenting to the death of Stephen. And now he had papers in his hands as he was leaving to Damascus that says he can find any Christian anywhere and have them arrested and drag them in and, and to be put under the, the jurisdiction of the religious authorities for death. And on his way, he has an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ that blinds him by the light. And, he, and, and, when, he, and, when, he, and when he came up from the, from the ground, he says, Paul, why do you persecute me? And he says, who are you, Lord? Wow. Paul wasn't looking for Jesus. And then you know the story. He sends the apostle by and he says, go down to the street called Straight and find a man named Saul. He said, for I have chosen him. And when he chose Paul, he chose Paul to be what he later taught, gives, he gives him the personal, he said, I didn't get my apostolic calling from, from, a, from another man. I didn't get it from the religious authorities. He said, I, I received my apostolic calling directly from the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And he said, and then he was given the revelation of the new covenant. In other words, they had seen the new covenant. They had seen Jesus die, buried, and resurrected. But then, then Paul comes along and he's chosen, handpicked by God, and given the revelation of what it means and, and how to walk it out, how to live for God. And then Paul says, I knew this man that was caught up into the third heaven. He said it was so real. He said, I don't know if I was in the body. I don't know if I was in the spirit, but God knows. He said, and this man was called up into the heavens. He says, whether in the body, whether in the spirit, I don't know. He said, but I was given unspeakable pleasures and unspeakable revelation. And he said, because of my knowledge, because of my revelation, he said, lest I be be exalted beyond measure, I was given a thorn. There's some things that maybe that may you may feel like is holding you back in this life. Things that you just can't overcome. Things that you've prayed about for years. Things that you just feel sure that God ought to deliver you from. In my case, and I've been real open about it, I get real upset when people aren't as 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 as, as consumed with the things of God as I feel like they should be. When they don't take the things of God as seriously as they should. When they can't see, even through all the teaching, all the preaching. When they, can't, when they, when they, re, when they refuse to act. When they refuse to acknowledge. When they refuse to adjust their lifestyle to what you know. I'm telling you, I'm being as open as I know how to be about how it feels sometimes. Whether it's true or not. How many of you know how you feel is not, how, it's not always true. It's just how you feel. That's why we don't live by feelings. Did I outrun anybody right there? We don't live by feelings. Because if I live by feelings, someday I'd want to punch everybody out in the name of Jesus. Don't act like you ain't that way. And some days, I want to give everybody a hug and buy the world a Coke. Now some of you is old enough to know exactly what that means. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Some days, not so much. And we want these things out of our life because we just feel sure. How many of you just had things you just feel sure if God would just deliver you from that? You're thinking of something right now, aren't you? If I could just be rid of that. Did you notice that Paul says, lest I become exalted, a, a thorn was given me. Who gave it to him? Who allowed it? Who put it there? It was put there. Listen, there are some things in our life that are, it says, in his case, there's been a thousand debates over what Paul's thorn is when it's just written. It's written. Have you ever noticed it's written right there in the book what it is? He said, I was given a thorn, a messenger from Satan to buffet me. It's right there. I can't understand why in the world scholars have to argue because sometimes you can be so smart you're stupid because it's right there. He says, I was given a, a, a messenger from Satan. That's a, that's a fallen angel, by the way. Messenger is it's the same word, angel. I was, I was assigned a messenger from Satan to rub up against me everywhere I went. Think about that, preacher. Think about that Sunday school teacher. Think about that. Think about that mama. Think about that somebody. Think about that somebody that comes everywhere. That everything you do, they're there to scrape against you and rub you wrong and to push you back and to put and to, and to hold you back and and to contradict. Anybody love to be contradicted? 
Don't you just love that? Especially if they'll follow you around and do that. Make sure that there's a make sure that there's a a devil's advocate. And by, here's another freebie, guys. I got news for everybody. Listen to me. Devil doesn't need an advocate. Who we could call, we could we could sing the final song and go home right there. We we could deliver some people from your ministry right now. Some of you think your ministry is to be the devil's advocate. You call, I can't find it. What do you, what do you, what, what, what's your calling? Well, I'm the devil's advocate. I want to make sure the preacher knows what he's talking about, so I buffet him everywhere he goes. Three times he asked to remove it. Jesus said, Paul, first of all, you've got to realize it says it was given him. He says, Paul, this morning, listen, church, this morning, 2.30 in the morning, I went to bed fuming mad. I'm just going to tell you, I went to bed fuming mad. I didn't need to preach last night. How I many of you know sometimes there's time to preach, there's time to shut up? Last night, I was glad it was 10.30 at night, not 10.30 in the morning. It was a time to shut up. I thought, what am I going to do? I'm just... Spared nothing, Sam. <laughs> About 2.30 in the morning, my eyes just suddenly come open. Just kind of how you do, you know. And there in the darkness and the quietness, I heard something that I loved here. It was that still, small voice that comes when it gets quiet. When you get quiet, when we get quiet, sometimes you ought to get quiet. And at 2.30 in the morning, there was just a whisper, Brother Scott, that said, J.R., how many of you know he knows your name? Knows right where you're at, he knows what you're dealing with. He said, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. He said, will you give me your weakness? If you'll give me your weakness, I'll give you my strength. How many of you know you can sleep like a baby after that? Somebody needs to know some days you feel like you're not, you're not even human enough, worthy enough to even be able to breathe God's air because you've been told all your life that you're worthless. And you just can't overcome it. And this morning, he would whisper to you that my grace is sufficient. You've been shoved down so low that you, that you, that, that you can't see daylight. His grace is sufficient. Some of you may think, 
I, I've never been able to succeed in anything. Life has always been a struggle. And why are people succeeding all around me? But my life has always been a struggle. I've come by to tell you this morning that His grace is enough. There's things we don't understand sometimes and eternity is going to bear out and tell us. There's people that struggled all their life. See, this, this mess was with the TV preacher's theology, but it's, it's solid scripturally. There's people that needed the struggle all of their life because success would have destroyed them. Success. Listen, I've been in ministry long enough and I've, I've seen way more ministers fall and fail because of their successes than I have because of their failures. Because see, there, there's some of us that as long as there, there's something to push against and something pushing against us, we, it will cause us to put all of our hope and all of our focus and all of, and all of our attention on the one, on the God of all hope, on the one that has all the power, on the ones that I know that I'm not going to make it to tomorrow if he don't carry me there. That, that there's some of us that, that, that if he removed all the obstacles that we would destroy ourselves, that, 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 that he says, Paul said, lest I be exalted beyond measure, I was given a thorn in my side. He said, I wanted it gone. But he said, Paul, my grace is enough. What is that grace? I've explained it. I never get tired of explaining what grace is. So, because I understand when I read it says grace is an undeserved, unmerited favor. But what is favor? I look it up and it says that it's grace. And I look up grace and it says that it's favor. But I need to know what it is. And I began to understand that when I need favor, when I need something from someone, when, when there, there's times in my life I don't have the time, I don't have the means, I don't have the knowledge, I don't have the education, to get some, have, have you ever been in a place where you didn't have the time, you didn't have the knowledge, you didn't have the know-how, you didn't have the education to get something done, but you had a friend that had all of those things. And you call and say, hey, I need a favor. I need favor. I need you to do for me what I can't do for myself. That's power. Are you hearing me? He says, my grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. God is saying, my power in you is enough to do what you can't. Grace, the grace of God is God doing in me, through me, for me, what I don't have the ability to do for myself. He said, my grace, my power to do in you is enough. Enough for what? It's enough to live. It's enough to not only live, it's enough to live victoriously. It's enough to overcome. It's enough to make it through. It's enough to face tomorrow. It's, an, it's, it's, enough, it's enough to reach my family. It's enough to make it another day in this old nasty world. It's, an, it's enough to, to, to be able to, to, instead of walking down with my head down, to be able to lift my head and face the day and face the sun. His grace is enough. See, our whole human nature and the, way, and the way society demands today is that everybody has to shed their weaknesses. We're, we're constantly trying to leadership that and to motivate that and to self-help this and to remove this and to get that out and to move around that. And everybody's got, the, you got, you got moms that are trying to be super moms believing they can be everything to everybody and everything, and everything crashes and burns around them. You got dads believing that, they can, that, they're, that they're superman and they can get it all done and that you can have everything 
everything and I got news for you. You can't have everything and some, somebody needs to stop telling you and believing the lie. But I can tell you that the things that you are lacking, that if you'll look to Him, the things that, you, that are holding you back, the things that stand in your way, the things that you're weak in, He said He will show Himself powerful in your weakness if you will understand that His grace is enough for you. Listen, I need His grace. You need His grace. There's not a person in this room that doesn't need the grace and the power of God moving in their life and in their world and in their family and in their church because without grace, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. See, I don't have any victory within myself. If I had victory within myself, I didn't need a Savior. If, I, if there was victory to be won outside of the cross of Jesus Christ, then He didn't have to come and die. But because there is no victory in me, there is no winning in me, that the places that he, he wants me to, He gives me gifts, He gives me callings, He gives me talents, and He gives me things that I can excel in, and He wants us to use that for Him and do everything we can in those areas. He wants us to do what is possible how many of you know everybody's looking for God to do the impossible I believe God's looking to us to do the possible and when we do all that's possible he'll come in and do the impossible because he'll he'll cause you to function in your strengths and then he will come in and function in your weakness isn't it an incredible thing see he's not looking for us to do the things we can't Oh, somebody get a hold of it. He's not looking for us to do the things he can't. He's looking for us to do the things he, we can. And then, and then giving him the things we can't. And let his grace make up the difference. Did you hear what Paul said? Now, I got to tell you, I'm not, I'm not all the way there. Because Paul said, I rejoice in my weakness. I rejoice in what comes against me. I rejoice whenever, whenever somebody gives me a bad time and the enemy hits, launches a spiritual attack on me. And he wasn't the only one because I remember in the book of Acts whenever they were, Peter and John had been warned and told not to preach in his name. They went and did it again. They beat them and sent them out and sent them home. And on their way home, it says that they rejoiced to be counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. Oh, The more I preach this book, the more I read this book, the more I try to relay this book, the more I understand that for decades we've been sold a bill of goods by a bunch of charlatans that were just trying to, to do something for themselves. And they didn't, we are where we, do you want to know why America's where it's at today? It's because the church is where it's at today. I'm going to tell you right now, the reason that America is where it's at is because the church is where it's at. Because we had a bunch of fat cats that taught you everything was right and send me all your money and I'll pay all your bills. And in the meantime, you're still broke, they're rich, and everybody's weak. Right. And I don't, I, don't, I don't like a charlatan. I'm not against people having things. I'm not against people being on TV. I'm against people lying to people for personal gain. I'm against people whoring the gospel and, and building their self up. That's what I'm against. I'm against these prosperity pimps that need to be put out of business. That's what I'm against. Because in the meantime, the church is weak. In the meantime, we're falling apart at the seams. Whatever, but, but I'm going to tell you, the time is coming and it now is. Because all over the world and all across the nation, I know people, there's a rumble everywhere. There's one thing about this enemy. 
at the end of this. There's one thing about this devil. Somebody hear me. He always overplays his hand. He always overplays his hand. And I'm going to tell you right now, in the United States and all over the world, he's overplaying his hand. And people are, see, the blinders are beginning to come off, and people are beginning to be able to see we're being played. People are beginning to say that they, they ain't for nobody but themselves, that they're trying to destroy the you's and the me's. I'm going to tell you that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ... Look at me and make no mistake about it. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is at the center of every exploitation and every political bombardment that's going on right now. It's not about the Republicans. It's not about left or right. It's about Jesus Christ. And it's about destroying the ultimate power and the ultimate authority. Everything is spiritual. And he's overplayed his hand. And finally, 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 the church is beginning to wake up. And people are beginning to understand that we look like the underdog. But his grace is enough. That his strength is made perfect in our weakness. If we will understand that we don't have a military to fight with, but we have a prayer warrior that can get on their face before God. That we don't have... That we may not have political clout, but we have a power that's beyond this world. That if our spirit will connect to his spirit, if we will agree with his word, if we will walk in his spirit, that his power will come. And it is no match for the power, that this world is no match for the power of a living God. His grace is sufficient. And his power is enough. Why do I tell you the things I say about the days I get discouraged when I want to throw my hands up and quit? Because I want somebody to know that it's universal. I want somebody to know that, you're, that I'm in the fight with you. I want somebody to know that there's a power that will come in you that will speak to you in the night. There's a power that will come in your prayer life and will lift your head, that will lift you up, that will pull you out, that will set you on a rock, that will establish your going, that will walk with you, that will talk with you, that will give you strength that will give you peace that will give you wisdom that will give you the ability to walk it out every day you don't have to be strong because he is strong you don't have to have it all together because he has it all together if you'll look to him if you'll walk with him if it's looking to jesus hebrew says the author and the finisher of our faith that you are going to make it somebody this morning i want you to know you are going to make it because His grace is enough. His grace is enough. You've heard me quote it many times. Peter wrote it in his first epistle. He said, to those who have received a faith as precious as ours, our faith is precious. Through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, these openings, sometimes these greetings, we overlook them. But read what he says. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of our God and Jesus, our Lord. His divine power 
Did you hear that? Not my ingenuity. Not my education. Not my political clout. Not my ability to sway with my words. Not, your, not who you can... Are you hearing me? His divine power. He's talking about power that comes through grace. Has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. Listen, church. By which he has given to us exceedingly great and precious promises so that through these things you might become partakers of the divine nature. Did you know that you can be a partaker? His plan is for you to be a partaker of the divine nature and to escape the corruption that is in this world through lust. Brandon, you can make your way back. His grace is enough. Everything we do, church, if we would have, the, the book is rich, it's deep, there, there's, it's, you can never exhaust it, but it's extremely simple. It comes down to this always. Everything we do in this walk for the Lord, we do it by faith through grace. That's it. That's how you got saved. It says, but we are saved by grace through faith. Yes? I'm saved by faith. Grace is the means. And everything that we do for God and he does in us, everything, all of it. I'm going to overcome today. I'm going to live victoriously today. I'm going to walk it out today. I'm going to get over the discouragement and the anger and, the, and, the, and the, everything that is thrown against you today by faith through grace. Because His grace is enough. His grace has enough power. You realize that's what it's saying? His grace has enough power to walk every day. And He'll work His grace, His power in my weakness. He makes up the difference. I would say to you today, what a deal. What a deal. That he gifts me and calls me and empowers me to do the things I do well. And what I don't do well, where I'm weak at, he says, I'll make up the difference. What a deal. What a deal. Heavenly Father, I thank you today and love you. I thank you that even when I'm weak, you're strong. 
And that, Lord, if I, I walk with you, Lord, that you leave me lacking nothing. Lord, I pray across this building today, I know that going, especially going into this season of the year and the turmoil that we've been living in for two years now and the anxiety that's building, that, Lord, that there's people here even now that they're discouraged, that they're stressed, that they don't know what they're going to do. They feel like they've fallen short. They don't know how they're going to make it. But, Lord, today, you've, you've, by this wonderful spirit and this wonderful word, you've reminded us that you make up the difference if we'll walk it out with you. And, Lord, we're so thankful for it, and we want to give you praise. This morning, in the closing few moments of church, every head bowed and every eye closed. This morning, is there, is there someone here that just by the show of their hand, they would say, Pastor, I've been fighting these same battles. It's, it's been weeks now, maybe months, maybe just the last few days. But Lord, that, that I, I just feel like I can't make it. I've been so discouraged or... Or I feel like I just fail and I fail and I fail. That I don't understand that, I, that, that it's in my weakness that he comes along beside me. Is that you this morning? You've heard. Is that you this morning? Is there someone here that would say, that's me? Are you here this morning? Church, I'm going to be frank with you. As frank as I know. Just look at me right now. This is one of the things that I'm going to be as frank as I know how to be. That is my greatest frustration is that I come, I pray through, and I preach my guts out, and the church sits and looks at me. When I know people are hurting, just like I am. I, I see your Facebook, I, I hear your conversations, I, and then we get to church and we sit like a stoic log cut out of chiseled stone that, we're, that we can't even admit that we struggle. And I've got to tell you that God, God's grace can't work in a place where people can't even admit that they struggle. I want it said of me. I said, that's blunt. You say, I never had a preacher talking to an altar call like that to me. I want it said of me, just like Paul said, that I, that I held nothing back, that I spared nothing. You don't have to please me. It's not about pleasing me. I'm talking about the frustrations of knowing that people are hurting that they're frustrated, that they're stressed out of their mind, that they don't know how they're going to make it through the next week, and that they just want to throw their hands up. But when they're given the opportunity to walk into the grace of God, they just look at you like a stone statue. Church, stand with me all across this place. Just begin to sing, Brandon. Sing it. Where would I be? Where would, Where would I, I be? be? Sing it. Lord, Do you only know? Ask yourself that question. I'm you glad to see through, through eyes of love a hopeless case an empty place if not for grace Amazing grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. I once was lost, but now I'm found. 
hopeless case an empty place if not for grace I thank you for the things sing it and I thank you for the things I cannot see Build a shelter in the storms of life, a shield surrounding me. And I thank you for the mercies you provide. I know you could have walked away, but you stayed a thousand times. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound I once was lost Oh, but now I found A hopeless case An empty place If not for grace Brandon's going to continue to sing and I'm going to ask you one more time. Is that you? Is that you? Amazing grace sweet the sound I once was lost but now I'm found a hopeless case an empty place if not for grace and where would I be you only know you only see through eyes of love a hopeless case an empty place Lord if not for your grace oh and I thank you for the things I cannot see been a shelter in the storms of life, a shield surrounding me. Oh, I thank you for the mercies you provide. I know you could have walked away, but you stayed a thousand times. Oh, even at your seat. Some of it, sometimes you need to take a step of faith just to demonstrate to, to you and the world. But he also is right where you're at this morning. Reach to him right where you're at. Right where you're at this morning. Lord, I need your grace. Grace. Lord, I need your mercy. Lord, I need you today. Lord, I can't, but you can. Lord, I'm exhausted, but you're never exhausted. Lord, I'm frustrated, but you have the answer. You are the answer. Lord, my family's falling apart, but I believe that you can walk in the middle of it and, 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 and sow new ground and, and, and turn over fresh, fresh love and fresh connection. Lord, I, I, don't know, I, I don't know what to do today. But I'll be quiet and listen to you that you'll give me the answer by your grace. Lord, we thank you today. 
Lord, we thank you today. All over this house, we thank you today. Lord, I thank you even now that you are moving in hearts and lives. As people reach out to you this morning, that you never draw back. That if we take a, th- a step, you'll take a thousand, ten thousand. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you hear us. Church, I was reminded just now, praying with a friend. That first John says that if we ask anything according to his will, that I know that he hears me. He says that if I know that he hears me, then I know that I have what I've asked. Listen, this morning, praying for his grace and his mercy in your life, praying for lost loved ones, praying for people that are struggling, praying for God to just come along beside you and make up the difference, that's scriptural. So therefore, I know it's his will. He says, if I ask anything according to his will, I know that he hears me. This morning, know that he's heard you. And he says, if he hears me, then I know I'll have what I've asked. This morning, there's a knowing by faith that you have what you've asked. Leave here today knowing that he's heard you because you've asked according to his will. And know that you're going to receive. Can you do that this morning? Today, it may have been uh, marked the end of a decade of frustration. But today's a new day. You walk with Him in strength. He'll walk with you in your weakness and He'll be your strength. Amen? Amen. Sing it again. Shake somebody's hand. Hug somebody's neck. Tell them you love them. And I thank you for the things cannot see been a shelter in the storms of life a shield surrounding me and I thank you for the mercies you provide no you could have walked away but you stayed a thousand times 